This is Tom Lee, Editor-in-Chief of AnyJam Catalyst, and we're talking today with Dr. John Perlin, who became the President and CEO of the Joint Commission in March 2022. John has been a force for improvement in healthcare throughout his career, and he is not afraid to take on that work on a large scale. We first met when he was Undersecretary for Health in the U.S. Department of Veteran Affairs in the 1990s and was working with Ken Kaiser to make the VA a national leader on several dimensions of quality. More recently, he's been the Chief Medical Officer at HCA Healthcare, and he led quality improvement at the system's 185 hospitals and 2,200 other locations. In all these roles, he has earned the respect of his colleagues in healthcare, and we're all curious to see where the Joint Commission will go during his tenure. Now, John, everyone knows about the Joint Commission, but can you start by giving a brief description of the Joint Commission today? Well, Tom, uh, it's a delight to be here with you. Thanks so much for having me. The Joint Commission of today is really about three things, inspiration, improvement, and accountability. And um, let's take them in, in that order. You know, the Joint Commission, I don't know that everyone realizes why the Joint Commission is, is called the Joint Commission, but it really does tie to inspiration that came from within healthcare and medical practice itself. Um, the Joint Commission, actually, its predecessor organization um, really followed on the wake of Ernest Codman's work in quality and Flexner's reports on science-driven medicine and was started by the American College of Surgeons to assure that hospitals had the capacity to really offer the best medical care. American College of Surgeons continued with this overview of hospitals through World War II, but uh, as you probably imagine, um, during World War II, physicians were drafted, and following World War II um, was the ascension of both professional management, but also the need for the American College of Surgeons to share that responsibility with others. So jointly with the American Medical Association, the American College of Physicians, the American Dental Association, and the American Hospital Association, uh, the American College of Surgeons chartered this new entity, the Joint Commission, and its goal was really to inspire and improve. Today's Joint Commission, in terms of improvement, is really about three organizations. There's the Joint Commission that we all know in terms of the surveys of hospitals and other sites of care, but there's also Joint Commission resources, which offers learning tools and consultation, increasingly not focused on accreditation, but focused on really uh, all forms of improvement. And one of the things that's most interesting is that Joint Commission operates internationally in 76 countries, uh, doing accreditation and uh, supporting improvement uh, there. And finally, the third element, in addition to inspiration and improvement, is about accountability. And, um, you know, the Joint Commission standards come from a variety of, of places. Some, um, which are really oriented toward improvement and inspiration, come from us, uh, and uh, more on how we're printing those. But there are standards that come from Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, CMS, and OSHA. And to be able to participate in federal programs like Medicare, one has to be in compliance with those. And there are organizations that can assess compliance. And if an organization passes that assessment, uh, they're deemed to be in, in compliance. And that's the accountability arm, uh, which is really surveying um, uh, for those um, uh, regulatory requirements to participate in uh, federal programs. But at a very practical level, Tom, uh, I've been taking a hands-on approach since I started March 1st. I've actually participated on two surveys, start to finish, 
And the surveyors today are not the surveyors of yesteryear. They're typically active professionals in the peak of their career. Uh, they're very informed. And um, so what I appreciated most was that they really balanced education and accountability. The most frequent phrase I heard them ask was, show me, show me how you'd respond to a fire. Show me how you keep sterile technique. And um, honestly, I wish I had attended surveys start to finish when I was on the receiving side, because you see how the different standards and elements of performance come together. Particular elements may seem picayunish, even petty in isolation, but in the aggregate for things like infection or fire prevention, a number of these little picayunish points can add, add up to be something that's really tremendously important. So it was an incredible integrative um, synthetic view. But finally, let me just say that, um, as you mentioned, I came recently from HCA Healthcare, and uh, at the time I left, we had cared for over 400,000 COVID-positive inpatients. And I'm taking a very operational perspective on our role uh, and in that sensitivity to healthcare and looking at ways to reduce burden on both caregivers uh, and uh, healthcare organizations that are so incredibly challenged uh, in the wake of COVID uh, and uh, in the complexity of this moment. Well, despite these lofty goals, I think we both know that people who are being evaluated uh, tend to feel that uh, the Joint Commission is administering a life and death pass-fail test, uh, even though we know that, they, that the Joint Commission has been pushing organizations toward goals of zero harm and being a learning organization, as you described. Now, in this next phase, you, you're talking about going further. You've identified three big new strategic priorities. Let's explore them and what they mean for healthcare and the organizations the Joint Commission works with. Absolutely. We'll come back to clearing the deck to put focus on some of these things. But the point is that they're directional, not prescriptive. And the focus is on three things that are absolutely at the pinnacle of relevance to improved healthcare. They are health equity, environmental sustainability, and workforce, both in terms of new models of care and the sustainability of the workforce itself. Been accelerating the focus on each of these priority areas. Um, I'm pleased to report that we're already making progress in, in some of these areas. Well, let's go in order and, and, and discuss what you're focusing on and what you think the Joint Commission can do to nudge healthcare in the right direction. Let's start with health equity. I think we've all learned a lot in the last few years, but what does the Joint Commission think organizations should be doing to pursue this goal? Yeah, the last few years, particularly during COVID and with all the disruption, really demonstrated what was always unacceptable became intolerable. And as an organization, we're operating under the belief that equity must be the foundation for all that we do in healthcare. Now, without equity, even the opportunity for safe care cannot and will not exist. Uh, we believe that reducing healthcare disparities is not only a quality and safety imperative, but also our moral and ethical duty. In the words of Martin Luther King, of all of the forms of inequality, injustice in healthcare is the most shocking and inhuman. And so it's really with those words in mind and an appreciation uh, of, of the disparities that um, uh, gain greater attention uh, in uh, the COVID era, uh, and that we have launched new uh, healthcare equity accreditation requirements. Uh, and as I mentioned, they're really directional, not prescriptive. And this is 
really intended to help organizations merge their own performance improvement initiatives uh, with um, a, a push to accelerate improvement in a particular area. So there's actually only one standard with six elements of performance. Uh, and then those include designating a leader for healthcare equity in an organization, can be a collateral responsibility of, of an executive, assessing health-related social needs, stratifying quality and safety data of the organization's choice, creating an action plan where that organization perceives an opportunity, evaluating that plan's effectiveness, and keeping stakeholders informed. So I think you can see that those six elements of performance, the pieces of, um, of the standard, uh, really align with things that an organization uh, may be doing and uh, we would um, uh, believe should be doing uh, to help redress some of the disparities that um, uh, persist uh, in, in healthcare. And so it's um, uh, not meant to be a separate activity uh, but that requires studying for tests, but rather a coalescence of an organization's own PI uh, with um, uh, the inspiration, improvement, and accountability that uh, is uh, what Joint Commission offers. Well, I very much like those six steps because there is a risk that organizations will just talk about DEI and not actually take steps to pursue it. And those six steps really seem absolutely necessary, not sufficient in order to uh, make sure that real progress is occurring. So I, I like them very much. Now, the second one is tougher, environmental sustainability. This really is something new for the Joint Commission and for agencies like it to be pushing in healthcare, isn't it? Yeah, yeah yes, it is. Um, but Sustainability decarbonization in particular are critical to the health agenda, especially because climate change is having a direct and inequitable effect on the health and well-being of people globally. So here are three background facts. If healthcare worldwide were a country, it would be the fourth or fifth worst polluter among nations. And having said that, the United States is individually responsible for more than a quarter of worldwide healthcare admissions. Second, climate change is a health issue. It exacerbates diseases of heart, respiratory diseases, it adds to waterborne illnesses, and it even results in depriving others of, of clean water. And climate change is a health equity issue as those with the fewest resources are least able to compensate for its effects. And so we're in the process of convening a technical advisory panel to accomplish two things. Um, first, we want to initiate again uh, a directional standard that encourages health systems to address reducing their own carbon footprint. And second, that technical advisory panel uh, will help us review our own standards. To be sure, explicitly, our standards do not require excess consumption. However, interpretation of those standards can be taken to, to encourage single use and the like. And so we want to really make sure that our standards are not inadvertently contributing to excess consumption. So um, uh, on this one, uh, we wanna be both proactive uh, and um, uh, responsive. I'll tell you two additional things. First, the um, for investor-owned organizations, there's already ESG requirements to the Securities and Exchange Commission. And we know that what goes on kind of like Sarbanes-Oxley filters to not-for-profit organizations as well. So. This helps to get organizations prepared for what is in place for one group and coming down the pike for another group. 
the second thing I'd tell you that uh, is that, um, as they say at Microsoft, we eat our own dog food. In July, we signed the White House Health Sector Climate Pledge to reduce our own carbon emission by 50% by 2030 uh, and commit to a goal of net zero emissions by 2050. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think of this not only as a health um, uh, care executive, but uh, as a parent. Uh, and when we look um, uh, at the events that uh, have affected our world in terms of climate, whether it's uh, extraordinary drought in, in uh, India, um, uh, damaging the, the, the crop harvest, whether it's the presence of diseases like chikungunya in the United States because of changes uh, in, in climate or the recent hurricanes. Um, if we don't address this, uh, we can assuredly be leaving our kids uh, a world that uh, is uh, more fragile and, and more damaged. So we have the opportunity to um, uh, make a, a significant change on healthcare in the United States um, accounts for about nine and a half percent of that carbon footprint. Uh, and I guess finally, I'd tell you that some of the things that uh, we can do, like reducing the flow rate of isofluorine, desfluorine, nitrous oxide, et cetera, um, actually saves money as well. So um, this is something uh, that's good, but um, also has value um, uh, in terms of social responsibility and uh, financial value. Well, this long perspective of what excellence in healthcare really means really does make sense. Now, the third of the priorities is something that's shorter term, but it is on everyone's mind. And you also characterize it as a sustainability issue, workforce burnout. I know you've anticipated my question. What can the Joint Commission do? Because this is already so much on the minds of people leading healthcare organizations already. Well, well, Tom, as, as you've researched and commented on and we've discussed, um, the stresses on healthcare precede the pandemic, uh, but certainly they've been exacerbated uh, and with, during the pandemic, uh, and um, those stresses contributed to great resignation. And today, I think all of us are grappling with the effect of unprecedented staffing shortages and the challenges uh, that result. My own sense is this is resulting in a three-way collision, pitting the interests of the patient, the community and healthcare workers against each other. Patients deserve safe, high quality care. Communities deserve access to a full range of health services and healthcare workers deserve healthy working environment. So this is a three variable equation. You simply can't solve for one uh, and, and not the others. And staffing is a complex issue. There's no one solution to fix it. Can't be resolved by the Joint Commission or any one entity along, alone. So we all have to agree that the pandemic has brought critical attention uh, to the need for more trained healthcare workers to meet patient demand. Um, but we also need to explore new models of delivering care. Um, that said, Joint Commission wanted to do something now. And having come from that operational environment, having experienced those stresses firsthand, uh, I recently announced that we're beginning a review of all of our above and beyond requirements. Remember, the Joint Commission standards come from us in part, and then they're the regulatory ones that are passed through from CMS and OSHA, National Fire Protection Association and the like. But all of those above and beyond standards have announced a mega review uh, to determine whether the requirement still addresses an important quality and safety issue whether the standard is redundant with other standards, and frankly, whether the juice is worth the squeeze, whether the time and resources needed to comply with that requirement 
are commensurate with the estimated benefit to patient care and health outcomes. So in short, our goal is to reduce the burden on already overburdened healthcare workers and institutions. And we believe that this needed review will allow us to provide greater focus on measures that truly move the needle toward higher level, higher performance healthcare. Well, John, your track record gives me confidence that these three strategic priorities are going to be much more than rhetoric, and you'll be using the Joint Commission's special place in healthcare to move a number of needles in the right direction. And I hope we can check in from time to time to hear how it's going, learn from best practices, and see what new nuances to these missions you're going to be developing. Well, thank you, Tom. I'd really like to keep the dialogue going. And, um, you know, thank you and the community of healthcare leaders, um, uh, because this is going to be a joint effort uh, to really um, change healthcare in the way that patients and communities and health workers themselves deserve. Our, our focus of the Joint Commission today and every day is really articulated in our vision that all people always experience the safest, highest quality, best value of healthcare across all settings. And I know you and I have discussed this, uh, great appreciation for those in healthcare for their commitment to that vision, uh, to really going above and beyond these past few years. And uh, we look forward to, to working with those at the front lines uh, and um, uh, those in other sectors uh, to really uh, improve care for all. So thanks for the opportunity to be here with you today.